0: Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now, your host,
1: Mark Stoner.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner. And man, it was, it's been a great week for us. We, we just wrapped up a, a two-day uh, business symposium here at, in Nashville and we had a full house of people as full house as you can get with covid and then we also uh, had a had a lot of people on virtual it was the first time we'd ever done all that together and we actually had some virtual presenters and in life presenters in person <laughs> in life and uh, it was a really great event i think just two days of talking my voice is a little bit uh, shot but hopefully we'll get through this one so one of our speakers And uh, was Chuck Hall, and Chuck runs Winston Services out of uh, Washington, D.C., and he's a very dear friend of mine, and he's been on this show before. And in fact, while I was at the symposium, one of the people came up to me and said, hey, um, you had a guest on there, Chuck Hall, and I know he's here, and he was my favorite guest of your podcast. Can I meet him? So I said, absolutely, he's right over here. So he came over and he met Chuck and uh and then i asked chuck again i said hey could you come by he flies out here in just a little bit back to dc and i said could you swing by and let's do another quick podcast and he said absolutely so welcome chuck glad to be here buddy anything for you i really appreciate it so chuck has a ton of stories and he also just has a ton of wisdom on You know we all go through this business process and screw up a lot and that's just how we get where we are and and i really believe that a lot of times the faster you can make mistakes the faster you can go a lot of people are just don't want to make mistakes and i think it just is a slower path not that you just want to make mistakes and crash the business but you have to not be afraid to make them. And then when you do, they can't get you down. And so Chuck had a presentation about top mistakes that either he's made or he's seen made in business. And I, I thought that was a great topic for the podcast today. So uh, I just want to hand it over to Chuck. And, and let's, just talk about, let's just talk about your presentation and kind of some of the big things that either you made or you see made. Because you talk to a ton of businesses. You've been in the industry a long time. Ah, uh, you network with a lot of people, and we it's there's a lot of commonality. So just talk about just talk about your presentation. What are some of the big mistakes? I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made was
1: we didn't know our numbers. We didn't know what parts of our business were uh, profitable, what parts weren't profitable, if the pricing was really right, because if there was money in my bank account, I had money. And that's just the way it went. And it wasn't until I started seeking help from not even the CPA, I hated my CPA. I I ended up working with a guy who was a fractional CFO. He didn't call himself that at the time. And he helped us find out which parts of the business were profitable and which were not. So that's number one. And then number two, and and I'm still doing this, 31 years later, I'm still chasing it. 31 years later, I am spending more than we're bringing in. (laughs) That's not really true. But in a certain extent, it is because I'm growing, you know. When you grow from 5 million to 6.75 in one year, guess what? That's pretty crazy growth. For me, you know, there's, there's some really ultra successful people out there that, uh, yeah, I grew up to 40 million and I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not in your league. You know, can I, you know, sniff your jock? That would be great. I, ju- but I can't, I'm not in that league. I'm in JUCO league. And for me, JUCO league is fine and you can make a great living in junior college
0: league. Let me ask you about just those two things. So so those two things are huge. And and over the last two days, a lot of people said, yeah, I don't know my numbers. Yeah, I'm not profitable. And I have that same thing where I would spend all that we made to grow. I would spend it all in the, I just want to chase that growth because that was as important as You know, and there's some people that just want to make sure they're max profitable. But whenever somebody tells me they grew fast, I know they're not super profitable. Unless they have some kind of, I don't know what they have. I've never been able to do it. I have to spend my, I use my cash to grow. Do you have, uh, now that, so at what size did you start getting really good financial help? Like what size were you and what size would you recommend people be to get good financial help and then know your profitability? All right, that's a great question.
1: But at a million dollars, you need good financial help because that is a scary, scary place. And then another scary place was 1.8 million. <laughs> that, that was a really scary place. And I went through a, one of, uh, um, I went through one of my presentations and I showed the slide for it. And then I went back as I was looking through the presentation, I found my um, you know our, my strategic uh, planning, uh, and presentation to my team in 2014, and it was about how can we get more sales? And and so you're always chasing it, but really at a million dollars, and you have to get someone to start helping you. And, and I caution people about just, well, I got a good CPA, and he's good with me, and hey, hey, hey. Well, the problem is, CPA, he's looking at the numbers from last month. He's not helping you chart the course. And so it'd be great if you had a CPA that it was actually understood business and not just your taxes and what the numbers look like. So that's really important. Um, and then what was your other question?
0: Uh, so people, you were saying you were spending into your profit and not really
1: profitable. Right. So the first thing, so if you're going to do that, and then I did it wrong for a lot of years, and then what makes it easier, as our friend John Meredith said, says mustard covers up a lot of sins. Mm-hmm. So... Um, When people say, I don't know how you run a business with 60 people, and I say, you want to know the secret? It's easier now than it ever was, and I'm working less. And that's the key. So I'm getting paid a nice salary. I get nice bonuses. I have nice things. It's easier. And now the business, it's not so critical. I mean, there were times on Wednesday when my GM and I would look at each other and say uh, payroll is 25000 and we have 5000 in the bank. And we had to go out and squeeze the money tree, shake the money tree and get the money. And it didn't work out every time. And those were some crazy times. Now we don't have those problems. Now it's kind of like a game just looking at the numbers. We tweak here, we tweak there. You know, now we're working on something with my, you know, I call her my not-so-secret weapon. Joanna Quintero is this really, really smart woman that has come into my company as a, as a consultant, and now we're looking at profit per man hour. You know, we would never be drilling down that hard before. It's like, just go get the check.
0: That's so right, and it feels like for some of us, especially if we're really entrepreneur and speed-based, speed is first. Growth is first. And maybe it's some ego. Maybe it's some, hey, I can do it. Maybe it's just the excitement of, hey, I added a bunch of trucks. And then we look back at, we're like, uh-oh, payroll is a lot of money. And do we have it? And I always felt like I could shake the money tree, too. If we were getting tight, I could could do some things and just make it happen. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes everything you do, and I remember especially in 2008, I could not do enough. Nobody would call me back. Nobody would uh, send me the check. And I, I was like, I remember waiting on certain checks that we gotta have to pay the payroll and we've got to have this or things are gonna go up. And most of the time it would work and then sometimes it didn't. And, and a lot of bad things came from that. So it helped me start to be more conservative. But when you, were growing fast, and you were, it, he, what, was, what was the big aha that when you start, obviously when you started knowing your numbers, you knew what to do, you could guide the, the ship better. What, what has knowing your numbers inside and out really done for you as a leader? So first of all, let's make something perfectly clear. I don't know my numbers
1: inside and out, but I know, I know a lot of numbers compared to what I used to. And it's not something that I love, but it's something, it's like eating greens. You know, I really do like some salads, but really, you know, my food eats salad and then I eat my food. And so that's kind of where, so knowing the, the numbers for me are the, just the basic ones. It's what's top line revenue? How much are we spending on labor? And how do we control that? And how much are we spending on materials? Then what's our gross profit? And then, you know, what do the smart people say our gross profit should be? Right. And, you know, so the, you know, the pointy heads say gross profit should be 55%. And, and so we're shooting for that. So now it's like gross profit, gross profit, gross profit, gross profit. And I focus on that. And then someone else comes along. Oh, did I tell you that I suffer from the disease of listening to the last smart person I you know, heard. So now, you know, the, the, the new person, Joanna, she's all about profit per hour. And so we're working on that. And then, okay, then there's the big elephant in the room and that's net. And net, gosh, it's such an ego thing when you're talking to people around the country and everyone's like whipping it out, you know, and they got this, I got this big net. And I'm like, that's exciting, really, 20%, that's great. How much you pay yourself? The guy tells me 60,000 a year. I'm like, okay, I'm at four times that, plus everything else, so your 20% net's not impressive. But what it is impressive is if you're running a legit business, you're paying your people you know, like they should be paid, and I'm not trying to be a softy, but I really, maybe I, I don't overpay my people, but I really care. About my people in, in a uh, very expensive place like Washington, D.C., Metro, to pay someone a living wage, that's, a, that's almost a joke. It's hard, you know, in the kind of work that we do, unless you're one of my top guys, you know, it's hard to make a living. So I'm trying to take care of them. So if you got a business where you're paying all your taxes, you're not trying to make everyone You know subcontractors, so you're paying your taxes, you're paying your people, and um, you know you've got some assets, and you're paying yourself so that you can, you know, you're not paying yourself all at the end of the year. You're paying yourself, you know, as as you go as in a salary. Then we can talk about what net is, and net is going to be smaller. Like you know we talked about when you're growing, and I'm trying to grow it. For a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's easier for me to make money. Number two, um, I am trying to cash out in the next ten years,
0: you know. And number three, I don't know how to do it any other way. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of the same way. I, I I'm not trying to cash out in ten years, but I am. I think it provides more opportunities for my people too. Like there's more career paths I can do. There's more options for them and you know, let's be honest, as, you know, the best, the the smoothest your operation is, is when you have a lot of people been with you a long time. Yeah. Well, they also need something else to do as they age and get older. Gosh, they have so much knowledge. They know how you would do it. They know how you would run it. And, but they can't just keep doing the hard manual labor. So you create more opportunities, management positions, different things. And so for me, that's a real driver. But, you know, for years I was, I didn't realize it, but I was, Probably sitting around as I was growing like five or six percent profit. When you're growing, what? And again, I don't think that's right. Ray, my CFO says, Mark, no. In the growth, we still need to be fifteen percent profit on the bottom, and that that was always. And and we just what we did was we backed in, do a lot of things, and got a percent there a percent there a half a percent there and you know our phone bills and our insurance bills and our overtime and 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 then we raised prices and you know we did all the things the little tweaks to get there so what you know when it was when it was too lean do you remember what your profit percentage is and what do you shoot for now when it was too lean oh you mean like last year <laughs> so
1: in 2019 we bought like a 3 million dollar building and and you know when we moved and we spent a lot of money you know we spent 400,000 cash you know to buy the building and it, it was just ex- it was expensive but it, we had to do it i needed it number 1 for my retirement that's part of my retirement is having that building you know but um so so we and then the year before that is when we went from five million to six point seven five. So it was six percent. And you know, we're we're working on eleven percent this year, and that's what we're going
0: for. Perfect. So the first two lessons were number one, know your numbers. And what was your second one? We'll have to back into it and listen. Be <laughs> Don't be a dumbass. <laughs> Let's talk about, let's just talk about that other like, oh, really like leadership mistakes or things that you may have missed. Um, You know, just maybe some stories of stuff that you like, you thought were one way or another or just mistakes because I think that's what everybody's afraid to make. And you and I aren't really afraid to make them. Correct, because for me running a business, you know, rubbing is racing
1: and i am always hitting the guardrails i'm i am making mistakes i'm inappropriate i can be abrasive i can be very charming and lovely and a great leader as well and some of that's natural and some of it you learn from mistakes and one of the keys to growing a good business is growing the leaders and it's it's something that i i read about. And then it's something that I saw happen. And then it, it happened naturally. And now I'm actively growing leaders and circling them and, and you know, pouring water on them and giving them sunshine and giving them opportunities to become better leaders. And it just makes my job so much easier. And you know what? It's rewarding. And it's one of the things when my son talks about, I really love our lifestyle and I want to be you know, a business owner, and I'm like, well, one of the most, I equate growing leaders to raising children. It can be so satisfying and so frustrating at the same time, but I think those are two wonderful, you know, wonderful feelings when your 22-year-old son parrots back to you something you were trying to teach him at 16 years old, And he got it and he was actually listening. And the same thing with these leaders, these men and women who are running your company for you and making decisions. And you're like, I wouldn't have made that decision. His decision was better than mine. And I'm like, well, this is great. Then I did my job. I hired people that are better than me in certain instances.
0: So that at what point, and I completely agree with everything you just said, and you don't realize how fun it is to grow leaders, kind of like you didn't realize how rewarding it can be for kids until you have them. At what point well, did you really realize that I have to grow leaders to get to do what I really want in this company? I can't do enough. I can't know enough. I can't make enough mistakes fast enough. How? At what point do you think you really said, this is important to grow other leaders. You know, that's the thing about you, Mark. You, would, you
1: are so tuned in to things that you would probably remember the time. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the time. Um, I don't remember the time, but I would probably say, so I will tell you this. So the first 24 years that I was in business, uh, we're, we were not successful we were making money on and off. I was paying myself, I was paying my mortgage, I was going on vacations, but I wasn't building any wealth. I wasn't putting money away. And it's not like I'm putting a huge amount of money away now, but I'm I'm putting money away. So I would say when we, it was year probably 25, so I'm a slow learner. <laughs> and that was when we, we moved out of our 2,000 square foot place in Arlington, a stone's throw from the Pentagon, and moved out to 5,000 square feet. And that's when we kind of exploded, and we changed the way that we actually ran our calls, and we went from kind of an eat what you kill, one, we had one really set of guys that would go out, do the estimate, and then do the work, and then we switched. And once we switched, then we kind of, you know, because I had my leaders, You know, but I was really just trying to get them to be uh, better technicians and better salespeople. Then all of a sudden we kind of exploded with now we've got installers and we've got brick crews and we've got production people and we've got this. And then I realized, okay, we've got a bunch of people. So now I need managers. And in my mind, I'm like, well, they're managers or supervisors. We're really, really what they are is leaders. And so i would say i don't know what remember what year that was but it was probably about you know it was year 25 and we're in 31 so that would be 6 years ago
0: so there was a, a a moment that all of a sudden you realize i need leaders i've changed the business model i expanded it out from everybody was kind of their own leader to no now i have divisions that have to have leaders and I think for me too, that was, that was step one. It was like, okay, now you do this. And I don't think I was really focusing him on being leaders as much as taking tasks off of me. Then what really started happening is as these guys got into it for me, they started taking ownership and all of a sudden, you know, I said it last week, they start fixing problems that I didn't know were broken. They Things get fixed that you didn't know were broken. Things get, you know, redone and, and, it never had to come to you and that starts to get exciting for me absolutely that's that's where you really that's where you
1: hit fourth gear you know you're now you know now you're really humming and but but and i was talking to someone last night the the growing of the leaders it's like a hundred different things that you have to do it's not one single thing and it growing leaders and having a good culture to me that kind of goes hand in hand although they're different they're the same and it's the it's the many many different things that you do and it's leaders are so different i equate it you know quickly to baseball players you know you have some one trick ponies you know leaders that are just great pitchers that's the great pitcher. you know and then you got a a shortstop who He's got to have footwork. He's got to be able to catch the ball when it's rocketed at him. He's got to be able to throw it. And he has to hit because he's on a baseball team. So you have to have a bunch of different skills. And then there's the outfielder. He's just got to run like hell and to be able to catch the ball. And then he's throwing the long ball all the way in. It's so different. And then you got the fat guy at first base. And he's just got to be able to, you know, snatch that ball out of the dirt, but and do the splits. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, or not. And he's got to be able to, he's got to be able to hit home runs.
0: Oh, that is so, that is so good. I hadn't thought of it like that because then like we know all different leaders and they're very different, like in business owners and like all these different leadership styles. Now, all of a sudden you're the leader who has to manage a bunch of leadership styles and nurture them. All of a sudden you became, you become, a whole different type of leader because you have to see what your leaders need and and coach them up that that's really an interesting way and that's so true I, i've noticed that myself and i'm super proud of my leaders you know Kent and and Ray and and Kevin and 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 all Matt and, and Jason several of my guys it starts to feel like a completely different business when it runs like that and it doesn't need you, and I said it a bunch, My our good buddy John Meredith said, the business you want is the business that doesn't need you. That's the business you're gonna really enjoy. So with that, when you've got a problem with people or leaders, what's your process to either make them better or get them out? Um,
1: I wanna back up to something, and you may have to ask me that again. But I think one of the, we're talking about teaching our leaders. So everybody's different. So if you're in a meeting, so we're now, we have lots of meetings now. Lots of meetings with different sets of managers. We're looking at different problems and it's meetings, 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 meetings. But we're we're getting a lot of things done. So during these meetings, now I'm a little bit of a prickly pear, if you didn't know that already. And uh, one of my strongest leaders is, and who's my top salesperson, um, he has a lot of great ideas, but his style and my style are similar and different, but similar enough that I felt that he was challenging me on several occasions during these meetings, because he had a really great idea and he was passionate about it. And that was a problem for me. And then all of a sudden, I took it the wrong way because I'm not perfect. And I took it the wrong way. And then right after it happened, like the second time, like within two weeks, I realized I may have the problem. And it's not really him. So I, I and I talked to him and he goes, I felt kind of bad about it. and I said, Ryan, it's not your fault. It's the way that I took the information in. But let's try it like this. How about when you have an idea and you say, hey, boss. So right away, he's petting the dog, which is exactly what he should do. You know what I'm saying? You know how a little puppy licks the big dog's chin. That's what should be happening. You know, but he says that. Hey, I said, why don't you say, hey, boss, that was a good idea that you had. Here's my idea and it's going to come from a different angle. And then when he goes slow like that, it gives me time to take it in and realize that this is what it is. And he probably won't have to do that anymore, but he had, to, I had to get him to train me to take his ideas. And I'm trying to make my environment safe for people to uh, talk about these great ideas, to, to make mistakes and everything else.
0: Yeah, so in in, in a way you answered the question I had, what are mistakes that leaders have made? And maybe it's not a mistake, but I agree that, I remember we used to have meetings and every time we had a meeting, I had this one technician, it just became a fight. He just wanted to fight with me and i remember another technician me and he said dude we don't need to do these meetings anymore it's ronnie and you fighting and it's and it's him questioning everything you're doing and you explaining why you're doing it and i'm these meetings are just worthless because he just has so much to say and you have to defend all the time and they're worthless and so that's a great point that uh if, if i was a better leader at the time when that was happening i, I could have taken that because and then gone to Ronnie and said, we're gonna to have to have di- a different conversation during this so it's respectful for everybody. And I can hear you because all I feel like is I'm defending and then cutting you, shutting you off at some point when I'm tired of it. So so that is a mistake. So let give me an idea that if I work for Winston's uh, that might get me fired and give me another idea of when you should have fired somebody and you didn't and it became a bigger deal. I know these are right on the spot, but you've been in business a long time. So just see if you have them. So
1: we've one time a person should have been fired on the spot because they were filling up their car with gas and, but it was busy. So, you know what I did? I'm like, he's a mercenary. I circled him and I'm like, I got a revolt. Uh, you know, I got a revolution going on in my country. Uh, I need to bring in some people. There is going to be some raping and some pillaging that's going to happen. But at the same time, I I know what this guy is doing. I've, talked to him about it. He denied it, but I've got lots of work to do and I'm going to go ahead and then uh, take the pain of, of having this person. Luckily he wasn't too toxic. You know, he did have halitosis, but that was a different issue. And then what we did is what we did was we fired him at the Christmas party. Yeah. So we we brought it in. My general manager and I, I think he was not a general manager at that point. We walked in. He walked in, you know, he had his fly jacket on and he was all happy. You know, he knew the Christmas bonuses were going to be handed out at the Christmas party at the, you know, pool hall where we had all our chicken and whatever else we were eating, uh, chicken wings. And as soon as he walked in, Rick and I got on either side of him and walked him right back out and fired him and then told everybody about it. Oh, wow. And we called it salmonized. His name was Sam. He got salmonized, and that's it. And you know what? The gauntlet was thrown down. People were like, "Yeah, don't screw around. You know, it's simple. Tell the truth." He made a mistake, and then we had. So that was years ago. And then just recently, we we had a supervisor. And I made a couple of mistakes. So mistake number one is I wanted, I'm ultra loyal. I wanted to keep somebody on my staff who was really good at installations. He was, his truck was always perfect. His jobs were perfect. He hardly ever had to go back. He was very white and black though. He was very right or wrong. He was very stern. He was a Latino, but he had, uh, he spoke, you know, English perfectly, albeit with an accent. And he was respectful. I thought, and, and I, so I wanted to keep him because he had so many good skills, so, but his sales were horrible and he was burning through the leads. And once you figure out that you can actually make more money with, the same, with, with one less person when you're talking about leads. So it's something that was, it, it was weird when I learned that. So we got him out and I said, I'm going to create a position for him because I'm, I'm too loyal, and I made a mistake. I was too loyal, I, if I had the same consultants that I have now, they would have said, no, ax ah, him, he's gotta go. There's not a place for him on this bus. And what happened was, is so a year and a half later, um, he's not doing his job. He's not helping us reduce waste. So for his $80,000 a year, he was supposed to save me $240,000 in waste. That's the way we figured it out. So then I'm going to net, you know, 160,000 and everything is going to be good. Everyone's going to be Jake. Everyone's going to slap each other on the back that it was a win. It was a pipe dream and it didn't work. And he wasn't watching the people so that when my secret weapon, Joanna, came in and she was doing her culture gap analysis and then also working on the next phase, which was our strategic plan for 2021 and everything else, she was asking lots of questions. And then she came to me and said, can I not work with Fernando anymore? And this woman is sweet, brilliant, wonderful woman. And now she's saying that she doesn't want to work with one of my leaders. So it was a little bit of a slap in the face. And then we started digging into it and found out, you know, he's got ego problems. He's not a good leader. He's, you know, not doing his job. Number one, he's not doing his job.
0: And we fired him during the busiest time of the year. So I know we're we're about to run out of time and, and such good stuff. I uh, I think you know, one of my things is I always try to save people sometimes from themselves. Every once in a while that works, but most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time I can't stop it. And if I would if I go back on all the times I should have fired somebody sooner versus all the times same thing but i saved them and they got better man it's a small number of people that got better and it's a bigger number of you know what when i knew that was the case i should have fired them that's one of my biggest mistakes i don't i don't love the fire fast thing but man you got to fire kind of quick quicker probably than in, in I read jack welch's book um he always and he was notorious for firing fast he he still says he wish he would have fired faster and i mean he was instant fire and he's like should have fired faster i'm like how could you fire any faster than jack welch did but let's close it out with um What's, what's on your horizon? You, you've been in business a long time. You've, you've, you've taken a business from practically zero to one of the largest in the country of its type. Um, you've learned a million lessons. You've been through a million wars. You, you're coming out the other end. You're about to plant your flag. This is what I did. What's, what's next for Chuck Hall? Well, wh- what I'm trying to do
1: is figure out the exit plan. What's the transition? How is it going to work? What's it look like? Is it some, you know, a bunch of money guys coming in, you know, dropping a nice chunk of cash on me because the business is at $10, 12000000 and, and the numbers look good and then they stick some snot-nosed MBA in there who squeezes all of my people and turns the culture into crap. I don't want that. So I'm, I'm looking for another way of doing it. And... So I want to always be in business, always have my hand in it somehow, but turn the reins over to the next, the next group of leaders who have emerged and who are gonna do it differently than me. But at the same point, I can look back and say, hey, that's my baby, you know, that's it. It's got a different haircut now. You know, it looks different. You know, he might have a little bit of a tummy, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. You know, you're never gonna call my baby ugly, but you know, it's gonna look different You know, maybe it's going to have one of those stupid man beards like you have. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't, I don't care. Certainly it might be a man bun. I don't know. Those might be out of style, but it's going to be a different look. And I'm going to try to enjoy the rest of my life. And maybe I'll do a little more speaking. Maybe I'll have time to write that book. But at the same time, I'm always going to love business and just watching how the little tweak here and there can really make a difference. And like you want to do, I want to look in the parking lot of my office and see nice minivans and nice cars and the occasional Challenger and the nice motorcycle and and all these things that means that my... And I want to hear about, you know, hey, can I, you know... I got to take off tomorrow because I'm closing on my house. I want these things for my people and my leaders because I want their lives to be enriched and full and and it's they're my kids and you know they're my demise at the same time.
0: Great stuff, Chuck. Thank you so much. I I couldn't agree more that leaving the legacy, leaving, you know, leaving the business better than you found it, leaving their lives better than, you know, once they were with you than when they were without you. I mean, so many times the guys come in and ladies come in and say, this is the best it's ever been for me. and, And I really appreciate it. And that's what you're doing. It becomes very important to you know, leave a good memory and, and, and enrich lives, you know, and, and uh, while we learn, because it's a painful path. So Chuck Hall, thank you so much. I know you got to fly out and get back to DC. I thank you for taking the time to do our podcasts and guys, I hope you enjoyed Chuck Hall and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe
1: on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.